G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Of course, no match this week, but uh, Macra and I are just going to smash through the uh, the squad and have a chat about the team and how we're tracking and uh, talk about all things Adelaide Crows and see how we're looking for the rest of 2021. So without any further ado, let's crack straight in. Good evening, good evening everyone and welcome to the Weekend Wrap, the bye week of the Weekend Wrap, so no crows going to talk about this week of course, but still plenty to talk about and uh, joining me to talk all about it as usual is Macca, how you go Mac? Yeah, no, travelling pretty well, did miss the fact that we didn't have a game, but you know, we, the boys are probably very glad that they had a week's rest <laughs> yeah. anyhow. That's right, that's right, um, and uh, look. Uh, it's always nice to have a bit of a rest. <laughs> um, but no rest for the wicked here on the Crowcast, of course. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on this bye week in the Discord channel. Uh, don't forget, for those that are in the Discord channel, if you want to get around and have a uh, something to say, get in the live studio audience and uh, put your hand up, and we'll certainly be glad to have you on. Tonight's probably a very good night to uh, have a chat, as we'll be talking, obviously, about how we've gone so far this year and how we might fare for the remainder of the year and going forward so i'm sure there are plenty of opinions and plenty of uh, people that have got something that they'd like to share with us also uh welcome and thanks for everyone who's joined us on youtube and also on twitch uh you get around us on all those platforms and of course just a reminder if you want to support the crowcast get around patreon.com forward slash afl crowcast and uh hit us up there if you like uh every piece of support is greatly appreciated Macca given that there wasn't any uh, any footy on this week uh, did you have a look at all the others I did as usual yeah that's the, when you know, get to my age mate uh, <laughs> you know we, you don't go out boozing every day and every night oh they did go out last night um, but uh, yeah, I, always, and I love watching my footy I love watching all the games yeah absolutely alright let's get straight into the weekend's results shall we and uh, on a Friday night, uh, we saw a very close game. Uh, Western Bulldogs probably feel as if they threw one away there, I reckon. Um, Geelong, 12-11-83, getting up after the siren with Gary Rowan kicking that goal. Uh, Western Bulldogs, 11-12-78. Yeah, look, I think you're quite right in your summation of that. I thought the Bulldogs were slightly better on the night. Not by a lot, obviously, but mm. just by a whisker, perhaps. But... Uh, that isn't how to eventuate. It was sort of like a bit of a finals preview. Um, we had two very good sides, but with totally different methods. Geelong have got yeah. theirs, which they like to keep possession of the ball. And uh, we've often said, well, they can't win a flag with that. And their coach must have listened to us that uh, they have to speed it up a bit because they have definitely, uh, while they like to keep possession, they are, they are moving the ball forward a lot quicker than they were previously in the, at the start of the season. Yeah. The Bulldogs, they've got... 
they've got their own method, which is to keep these lightning handles, which they must practice non-stop at uh, training yeah. uh, until they can get, get somebody clear. And uh, both methods went worked at times. And, of course, being playing against uh, each of them, playing against a good team, and then there were times when it failed. But uh, as you said, uh, probably Bulldogs probably slightly... Uh, Maybe should have won it, but the Geelong, they happened to do the right thing at the right time and that uh, a very good kick by Gary Rowan, who is a good shot for goal, was in the right yep. hands. Yep. Uh, long were a bit unlucky, Duncan. He's done his knee and uh, he's not having a very good run at all. Um, Norton got bruised ribs out of it. And, but I think probably the guy that really won it for uh, Geelong, and you don't normally say it about a, a person in this position, Stuart. Down at uh, fullback. No, very good across halfback. Very good across yeah, halfback. I, yeah, I thought he was the one that actually was the difference between the two sides. So, yep, that's I'd why it's emotional. That, yep. I'd agree with that. He uh, was very good. Look, I think uh, the Bulldogs did uh, play into his hands a bit. I didn't think the, their forward 50 entries were terribly. Uh, Effective, especially when Geelong started to put the pressure on. Um, my impression overall, Mac, was that Western Bulldogs didn't have a lot of room to improve, whereas Geelong do. So, based on that game, and I know it was down at you know Alphabet Stadium down there, but based on that game, yeah. I would imagine that Geelong would feel better about that game, despite the the actual result. I feel like they've got more to give. I don't know whether Western Bulldogs could play much better. The coach would probably disagree because he thought after the game that the team had played very well and he thought his team has got a bit more improvement in it. So, I don't know uh, about that. Look, yeah, um, I, I think both sides probably got a little bit more and uh, uh, the, well, certainly from what I saw of both these two teams, they they should be up in the top four and uh, participating uh, no doubt. certainly around about preliminary final to, uh, level at least. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And a lot can happen between now and then. Look, on Saturday, we had um, a few games. We had um, Port 12-9-81 over a very, very disappointing Gold Coast Suns. Four goals, 7-31. Oh, yeah. What a horrible game that was. Yeah. Well, it was. It was a really horrible game. Uh, actually, I made a couple of phone calls while I was watching it. That's how good I thought it was. But... Um, <laughs> The Gold Coast had the home advantage, and that's about the only advantage they had all day. Um, uh, you know, probably the biggest, the biggest thing to come out of that game was Robert, um, Robbie Gray doing his knee. Uh, yep. It was a medial strain, and he might get back for finals. He, he might not. Um, and he's a good player. You can't afford to lose players like him. Um, yeah. And the other one, another one that got an injury was the self-term cult figure. Lockie Jones, I heard him say on radio, when you're a cult figure, like no. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually true. Oh, and that's, he's only played it, played it. Yeah. that's drinking your own bath water, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, but talking about players who can really play, Ollie Wines, I thought, it was outstanding. He was uh, 43 possession. Yeah. That was absolutely Best outstanding. Best game for the yeah, and Motlop, who loves an easy kill, but not a hard one. He he was running around the place like an unregistered dog. Yeah. And But when you switch to the Gold Coast, you have to say, they are so poor in their, well, personally, getting the ball, but they're so poor in their usage of the ball. Uh, they'll be lucky to beat North Melbourne next week. And, uh, you know, guys like Tuke Miller, who busts his gut, and he played another very good game. Yeah. And Anderson actually played a good game for the day. Um, uh 
they must look at the other guys and think, won't you? Can't you guys do better? Can't you try better? Sure. Are they that bad, or is it Stuart G's no good? I mean, no, it can't. It's yeah, not the coach because they keep playing the same way over and over. I don't think that team has got any confident confidence in each other. They don't play. They don't use each other. They don't try to bring each other into the game. You know, their their um, um, transition from halfback is woeful. Um, they they don't. They need a bit more of a, uh, a focal point, I believe. Uh, someone that they can just that can just hit the ball up a, a bit more. Um, but they don't use each other well enough, uh, in my opinion. And that comes down to, I think, trust and confidence in each other. Um, and I, that, I don't know what the answer is, Macca. Uh, but anyway, we, we talk about the Suns in this way every week. So let's move on. Uh, we also had the Lions getting up uh, by 23 points in the end, 9-14-68 to North Melbourne, 6 45 Yeah, best way to describe this game, I would have thought, would be to say it was a, a dual struggle. You know, that they North Melbourne actually even led at half-time because they... They, 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 they're not that good, North Melbourne, but they get, they have a hundred percent crack at it. And uh, as I said, they led by two points at half time, and it was an arm wrestle um, between a team that hasn't got a lot of class and a team that's got a bit of class but wasn't you'd perhaps using it. Yep. In the second half, uh, Brisbane got their game going a bit and uh, led by Lions, an ex Crows player, thirty six disposals, he was outstanding. Yep. Um, and right, uh, Neil's starting to find a little bit of form. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, not much else to say about it that other than the fact that uh, while North Melbourne uh, are bottom, they, they don't deserve getting a priority pick uh, thing because they are quite a competitive team. No, and, uh, you know, credit to David Noble. Uh, they've had a couple of shocking losses, but he's managed to regather the troops and... They are playing with spirit, and uh, they're certainly down on personnel, uh, talent-wise. So, um, you know, good on him for at least getting to play for the Guernsey and play for each other, and uh, they certainly weren't disgraced. Um, a, a team that continue. I mean, we talk about the Gold Coast Suns a lot, Macca, but compared to the Suns, uh, the Suns would be laughing compared to Carlton. Uh, another loss, 16-6-102 to 9-12-66. <laughs> And the thing of it was that for a good portion of the game, Carlton were up to their necks in it. But when it came time to win the game, when it came time to put in and give an extra 10%, they just didn't have it. They didn't have it. No, that's when they get really found out, isn't it? When, it's, when it comes to really crunch time, uh, they get their asses kicked. And they really did get their ass kicked at yep. the end. Um, uh I, I don't know what their future is either because uh, they've had so many rebuilds and they're still in this position, thing, So, and we say this every week. And uh, you, well, I'll ask you a question: Do you think that Teague? And there's going to be a review. Do you think Teague will hold his job? I think he will. Um, I think uh, it, it's it's a personnel issue. I, I see they uh, put the hard word on Mark Murphy uh, during the week and dropped him back. Uh, and good on him. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts at the tail end of his career, whether he's got enough uh, left in the tank to push uh, back into the first team. Um, I, look, I, I think I think their problem is all about squad profile. They've got some very good players, Macca. Uh They've got a great focal point up forward. Um, 
but I think they made a mistake getting Eddie Betts back, um, even though he's provided them with some good games and some good highlights. Um, so it's exactly yeah, so that exactly that the Mrs. Mackey during the game. Yep. Um, I think uh, the lad they brought over from GWS, it was, I think, or was it Gold Coast? Williams. Williams. That was a mistake. Um, They targeted the wrong kind of players. They don't have enough midfield grunt, in my opinion, and um, they don't have enough runoff half-back, in my opinion. Uh, So, look, I I think Teague... Teague is a good player manager. Whether he's a good tactical coach is yet to be seen. But there are other coaches in the league who uh, are not expert tacticians but have good uh, a good group of coaches around them. Uh, Teague, I think Teague can get the players to play for, for him. Uh, I just don't think he's got the right squad right now. He certainly has, and I, and I ask you that because I think he's actually the victim of uh, Silvani being the list manager for all yep, those years. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think uh, I think they Silvani wrecked that list, um, and we've spoken about that before. Of course, just the one game today, um, and we had uh, Essendon getting up over the Hawks by thirteen points, thirteen uh, eight eighty six to ten thirteen seventy three. I must admit, um, I didn't watch the game today, but Essendon just ticking along, Macca. Yeah, look, they've always got that just that little bit about them, Essendon. I, I... I like watching them as a footy as a footy team. They um, even when they lose, they they always have a crack, and they uh, they do always have some nice little passages in their game. It was a very 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 watchable game actually. Uh, Hawthorne are, are playing slightly better than they were early in the year, um, yep. and Essendon are definitely playing reasonably good football at the moment. Um, yep. uh, they you know at stages it looked like Hawthorne might win, but then they get they might get a goal up, and then Essendon would get two goals, and then. So and it just kept swinging back and forth. Um, look, we're not talking about giant sides here, but I think Essendon, Essendon is one that's got a future. They've got some really good players in their side, and mm. uh, they don't they don't need to have that much to it uh, to make it into a good a good side because they they chose very well at the draft. And um, oh, <laughs> you must mention the bloody stringer now. You know, Brian Taylor, uh, he turned into the package. And then over <laughs> recent years, he's become the, the parcel and then perhaps put the paper bag. But today, he was the package, mate. He really was. He played the best game he's ever played. So 29 disposals. He's playing in the centre as well. He kicked four yeah. goals, seven tackles. He was outstanding. Outstanding. And he was a package today. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, I, good on, hang on. I'm just trying to work something out here. Um, there we go. I think uh, PJ Crows in the chat talks about uh, the Bombers kids being good. I, I agree. Uh, they just re-signed uh, Merritt during the week as well, uh, who'd been uh, thinking about moving on. So he obviously has some faith in the system and what they're building there. So, um, yeah, the Bombers might be uh, one of our rivals uh, over the next five years as both teams sort of build back up to uh, premiership contention, Mac. They will be. They will be. All right, let's uh, uh, just have a quick look at the um, at the ladder there. And uh, we've... Oh, what have I done here? Here we go. Uh, 
now that everyone's played 13, it's a bit more meaningful. We've got Melbourne on top on 44 points. Uh, the Bulldogs and the Cats even in second and third on 40 points. Uh, Brisbane in the four on 36 points. Uh, Port Adelaide just outside the four on 36 points as well. Uh, Sydney starting to tail off Mac uh, on 32 points along with West Coast. And Richmond uh, still sitting in the eight there on 28 points, half a game clear. Um, Sydney still look the vulnerable one, don't they? Um, as we look at the second half of the uh, of the table there, and we've got uh, who we got? We got uh, the Giants on 26 points, half a game out. Look the likely contenders uh, to take Sydney's spot, but don't rule out Essendon to sneak in. Um, Essendon on 24 points along with Fremantle sorry Mac Uh, Adelaide and St Kilda on 20 points Uh, Carlton Collingwood and Gold Coast on 16 points Hawthorne on 12 probably a little bit lower than their form uh, suggests they should be and North Melbourne on 6 points well uh, when we we talk about Sydney uh, they were playing pretty good footy uh, up until about a couple of weeks ago but their their last game they were terrible they just did not turn up for the match at all mentally and uh they are that they if there's going to be a change in the eight they are the one and uh the two sides that you mentioned are the two that could possibly be the ones to take their place gws has started to get their good players back and they're starting to play some very good football too yeah um and as i say about this they will have a crack and when they're on they can do some marvelous things so um both those t- teams it wouldn't surprise me if they did take sydney's place but you know it's up to sydney but i think pj's put it up before i was just about to say it i reckon that GB- gws will probably be the team to knock sydney out i reckon and i think they probably will yeah I, well we've said that all along haven't we that uh, gws are probably the ones to watch um and i think um i, I think that's uh that's probably still the case. Sydney look a little bit worn out, actually, which is a bit unusual. But uh, they might have been just looking for the buy to rejuvenate themselves a little bit. But uh, they Labor, look the most vulnerable, don't they? They were very flat last game, very flat. There was just no oomph in them at all. So, you know, maybe the buy it will do them good, but uh, we can only go by what we saw last time and, uh, you know, go by what we last saw. And also GWS starting to strike form, so... Uh, yeah, I think GWS will get them. Yep. Uh, no one else really looks vulnerable there, I don't think. I mean, Richmond, even though they're only half a game clear in eighth, um, we all know what they're capable of, and assuming that they uh, fire off in the second half of the season as they tend to do, um, you know, they're pretty safe. I don't think there's anyone else there that really looks vulnerable. So uh, almost set the eight, uh, just probably eighth spot is going to be the query. That's all. All right, Macca. Well, um, I thought we might have uh, a bit of a chat about um, the Crows halfway through the season. Of course, anyone on Discord who'd like to uh, share their opinions with us, please get in the live studio audience. We've got nine people in there at the moment. Uh, Plenty more chatting on the live show chat and also on YouTube. Thanks, everyone, for joining us there. Um, But if you do want to uh, have something to say, share your opinions with us. Uh, a great show to be doing that this uh, this week, as uh, you know, we've got a bit less to talk about. But uh, in the in the meantime, Mac, uh, if you were to give your uh, overview of the first half of the season, how how would you put us? Oh, probably about where we expected us to be. Um, 
all things going well. Um, we don't have the greatest squad of personnel. You know, we'd be kidding ourselves uh, to say that. When, when you do a rebuild, you're starting at the bottom and uh, you bring in youngsters and you hope they, they'll go well, and we've done that, and uh, a couple of them have done quite well. Yep. And uh, yeah, in the chat they say better than expected. But we are probably about one win better than, than uh, expected, but uh, maybe even two, really, because of who we beat. But... Uh, I, 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 was, I did have the faith in the coach. I had, had the faith in the coach, and we got very good assistance to help him. Um, and uh, I did like the, the game plan, they're getting us to play. Um, whereas last year, we had no faith in our assistance. Uh, we had no faith in our game plan, or put it this way, it only started to work in the last tail end of the year when we got those three wins. Um, so we've got, I think we've got, is it five wins? We've got a fourth. Uh, five, five. Five. Oh, no, sorry, yeah, four, should... 16 points. No, five, yes, yeah. 20 points. Yeah, I thought it was five, and I, and I think yeah, there's five. probably about another another three, at least three winnable games ahead of us. There's Carlton, Hawthorne, North Melbourne and Essendon. Now, we could easily pick up three of those and end up with eight wins. Now, you know, you, this is where you get your divided loyalty, whether you want to win that many and be that far up, mm. or whether you want to be closer down to the picking in when it comes to the draft time. But... Um, I think that we've yeah, probably slightly exceeded what we what we anticipated, uh, and I do think we have the right coach, and I do think we have the right assistants, and we are working out who are the right players. Um, yeah, most of them, and you know, and uh, the one thing that we have to say is, uh, prior to the drafting, you and I, we were very, very much in McDonald people. And thank God they picked the, the players in the draft and not us <laughs> because Phil Thorpe is going to be the next Adelaide champion. And I'll say that without any hesitation, he is going to be a legendary player. Well, you know, I think uh, you and I and many others sort of pigeonholed Riley in terms of uh, his the strings to his bow. And, uh, you know, you could argue... argue uh, on that basis, uh, who was better out of him and Logan? But when you actually see uh, see Riley play and understand that he's just so much more than a big forward, um, so many more strings to his bow, so many more elements to his game, and so much more difficult to control, um, you just realise what we've got in our hands there. Um, Look, uh, PJ is exactly the same as me. I wanted McDonald and O'Driscoll. Well, uh, McDonald has not started too badly. O'Driscoll's been a bit average, so shows you what we know. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I'm pretty much with you. Uh, now, I have to give a little flex here, um, uh, Macca, because I was I was down at Harbour Town on Friday uh, after work, uh, and uh, I, I got pulled up. By uh, by someone who said, "Oh, Phoenix from Crocar." So that's the first time I've ever been recognised in public. Obviously, now I've had to hire security, and uh, you know, I'm dealing with, <laughs> dealing with paparazzi and you know all that sort of crap. Um, but uh, the reason I bring that up is because uh, what uh, he and I was talking about uh, was very much the fact that. Um, even though, even even though we're in a situation where, um, uh, sorry, just bear with me a moment. Even though we're in a situation where, uh, 
But anyway, even though we're in a situation where we want high draft picks and all the rest of it, I think it's better that um, that we're actually playing a brand of football that is engaging. Uh, it's obviously engaged the players, um, and I would much rather us finish sort of you know eight to twelve or ten to twelve with some momentum, with some belief, um, and and sort of up and about, and get a lower first round draft pick than sort of you know drag ourselves to the line in twenty twenty one with twenty average games into those young kids. Do you know what I mean? Like those twenty those kids that have played this year. They're going to end up with 20 good, competitive, um, positive games into their career rather than 20 average, getting belted, you know, down in the dump sort of games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're 100% right, actually. Um, when we look at the uh, the really good players in the draft, you, know, you drool and you think, yeah, I want them. But you're quite right. It's all about um, your team, team belief and... Uh, team culture, uh, mm. and uh, you're quite right. The best thing is for us to win as many games as we can, and when we lose, to only just lose because we've had a real crack at it. Um, and because this is really building a basis for our long-term future. Um, yep. North Milder in the process of doing exactly the same thing. They're starting a little bit behind us. Um, Carlton started 10 years ahead of us, and they're still there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And you look don't... at you look at a, a club like Carlton, um, and you know, would you really want to be in that position after all this time? Oh, you know, terrible, terrible. So I think yeah, a winning, no, culture, right. winning culture is actually uh, quite important in my belief. I think you're quite right, and uh, I, I thought, you know, the one thing that I do. Uh, take pride in Adelaide Football Club at the moment is when they go out on the ground, they you can be pretty confident they're going to have a red-hot crack. Yep. Occasionally they might have a slow start, but you, during the game you know they're going to have a red-hot crack. And that's one thing. Uh, we When we, we started last year, it took probably until about the last half a dozen games before we got anywhere near that. But this yep. year it's been virtually every game. Yeah. 1990 Crow says in the chat, you know, Melbourne is the counter-argument. Well, I'll put a counter-argument to that. How long? How long has it taken Melbourne? Melbourne might have Petrarca and Brayshaw now, uh, but, you know, they've had midfield combinations in the past. You know, Viney was supposed to be the saviour. You know, they had the, the two young jacks that were supposed to be the saviour. They've had some... They've, uh, you know, it's a fair while since um, Dean Bailey had them, and they've been in the doldrums for all that time until this year. So I wouldn't be putting Melbourne up as a, as a counter-argument at all because I think... Um, just the passage of time has served them well, and they've they've lucked out now. Um, but uh, I, I'd much rather our situation where we've got you know every every pundit in the AFL media circles, and I'm sure the other teams as well know that when you come up against the Adelaide Crows, you, they're going to have a crack. And um, you know, Pete and I were only saying uh, the other day that um, isn't it great to watch a team of uh, Crows players that give a crack because you know for so long Mac we were talking about Crows teams that were that were flaky and untrustworthy and that went missing in big moments and um, you just don't get the I, I don't get the same feel from this team from this squad at the moment 
Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, you know, and a question to you, uh, and which is I'll also address to the guys in the chat because they're pretty bright. With the squad we've currently got at the moment, what are, and we, we, won't, I mean, we won't get them all overnight, but what are the positions we really need to bolster to become, uh, say, a top eight side? Yeah. We well, don't talk about players yet, the top eight. Well, you know, uh, we'll probably delve into that in a little bit more detail. Mac, um, what I will say at the moment is that I feel I feel that the two areas that we're um, really there's probably really only one, and that's outside running silk. Um, you know, I, I feel like I don't want to get it into get into it too deep right now because I'd like to go through the squad and maybe we can pinpoint a little bit yep. more there, um, but. At the moment, and you'll see, uh, we might just get into, uh, we might just segue into um, the, let's have a look here, into some of the the team rankings, just to give you an idea of the style of football that we're playing at the moment, Maka. Um, and I'll just run through some of the averages and where we sit in those averages. So at, at the moment, uh, we rank 18th for disposals. Uh, which surprised me a little bit because I've never seen a game where I've felt like we're there's a huge disparity in disposals. There's been a couple of times where there's been a, a bit of a disparity in uncontested possession, um, but I, I, I was surprised um, to see that our our average disposals of three forty eight were you know forty five behind uh, the the top ranked team, which is Geelong, um, you know, and even you know ten or fifteen above middle of the tier so that surprised me a little bit um then you go into uh let's have a look here uh if you go into clearances um you can see that in terms of clearances we're also ranked only 13th in clearances so 34.6 it is a surprise but the one that really, uh, in my opinion, and I was looking at these before, so, uh, okay. Uh, but, um, the one that I was looking at before that um, really kind of illustrated to me the type of game style that Nix is trying to, to, to build here is contested possession. We're ranked fifth in contested possession. Um, so... You know, 141 contested possession. Uh, the lowest ranking is Kangaroos with 126. So we're we're quite a way ahead. Even though we're not ranking really highly in uh, clearance work, contested possession I think is what Matthew Nix is actually trying to build his game around. Ground ball, um, you know, winning the 50-50s, and actually trying to be quite efficient with ball movement. I think that's. If you're going to um, if if you're going to look at Nix's sort of strategic plan over the next three weeks uh, three years, I would say that step one for him would have been win the ball, and I think that's what he's been focusing on. And I think those stats show that winning the ball is certainly something that the Crows have been doing well at. Yeah, well, many a, co- uh, a coach would agree about the ground balls. Um, that's where the ball is most of the time on the ground. So, uh, uh, but, yeah, I'd, I'd say that uh, we're not too bad in that particular area. Um, I'm not that surprised. I am surprised that we're 18th in, in disposals, but we do burn the ball quite a bit. Um, 
but we are playing a fairly adventurous style as well. So that that's that also will happen when you do that. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think that you know we've got in in general terms. I just think we've got a good backline. We need quick mids, and we I'd love, love to have a ruck that can ruck that can really leap high. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about turnovers. We rank fourth in the competition with turnovers behind. Port, surprisingly, uh, who are top-ranked in turnovers, kangaroos and magpies. Um, I, I think when you have a look at our um, our efficiency inside 50, and it's not on this graph, unfortunately, but I did have a look on Stats Pro earlier, our efficiency inside 50 is quite high. Um, our inside 50s, which I think is here, let me just find it, um, inside 50s... So inside 50s, we're ranked 10th. So we're certainly middle of the road in terms of getting the ball inside. And we are scoring okay. We're not lagging behind in terms of our scoring shots compared to the rest of the competition. So um, if you recall, Macca, during the season so far when we've been reviewing the games, a lot of our games are played between the two arcs. Um and it shows that our, yeah. it shows that we're quite good defensively across half back. Um, you know, uh, blokes like Geordie Butts has been going well. Tom Diday has improved as the season's progressed. You know, our small defenders haven't been going too bad. By and large, our defensive work has been pretty good, um, but we've struggled. And we highlighted this uh, earlier in the season. We've struggled in terms of our method into the forward 50. Uh, certainly improved over the last couple of weeks, I think, uh, but certainly early on, that was a problem. So I think that's where um, that's where the improvement has, has been. Um, and, prob- and I think if you're going to track our possession count, I reckon our possession count would have increased over the last three games or so because our transition has changed and we're actually using the ball more. Yep. Um, I can't. I can't argue with anything you've said there, Fane. Um, no, I've got really nothing to add to that. Well, thanks for being on. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just having. I'm just having a bit of laugh. Um, look, it's true though. I look. Remember, we were we were bombing the ball from behind centre into the forward fifty up until probably three weeks ago. And then whenever we've played well, we've moved the ball, f- you know, further towards our forward 50 before entering forward 50 with, you know, extra disposals. And I think that's probably an area of polish that uh, that the team has been working on uh, rather than just those dump kicks to, you know, leading to shallow entries into forward 50. I know, I, yeah, I was struggling to remember a point I was going to make there, and now I've just got it's just come back to me. Uh, no, the real thing I reckon the real change in our forward line is not having Himmelberg or Frampton in there, and and uh, I reckon we've let, it looked so much more dangerous up forward since we've had uh, Phil Thorpe in the side at the, in, up forward, and uh, Fogarty alongside him, and and uh, Tex running around in the centre half forward area, or Fogarty and uh, Tex alternating in between, and. In other words, instead of having the big lumbering guy just getting in the, in the way, and because when we used to have the the extra tall down there, there'd be just too many tools, and they'd congregate, and we'd all, we'd do that dump kick, you know, like, and then, as you know, which comes always flying back out, out uh, over your heads. And I think since we've got that, and we've got more little guys, they, they spread a lot more, and uh, 
that's one of the reasons why I think our forward line has has improved out of sight since. So I think it's really, and I don't know what we're going to do with Franklin Himmelberg because uh, if while these guys stay fit, there's no room for them. Well, would you agree, Macca, that when you've got a couple of tall blokes up forward, and we had we we're playing three genuine tall blokes up forward at various stages during the first half of the year, it actually leads to a tendency to kick it at high because yes, you kind of you kind mm. of. Uh, you know that that's that's your game plan. You got three tools up forward. Why wouldn't you kick it in the air? But uh, it's no good if those blokes aren't taking grabs. And you know, at various stages, uh, neither Frampton or um, Himmelberg have shown any propensity to take the game by the scruff of the neck up forward, uh, aerially anyway. Um, whereas the configuration we've got now with Riley, um, who's tall but he's also mobile. Um, and Tex and Fogarty, who are who are good on the lead up, um, I think it's actually promoted a better method into our forward fifty, if that makes sense. Yeah, it demands the player of the ball looking for someone because um, there's Smalls running around, and you've got uh, and Fogarty and uh, Philthorpe and Tex are generally uh, apart from each other, so the instead of just bombing away, they really have to uh, raise their eyes, as they should, and yep. go for a target. Yeah. makes us so much more dangerous. And, you know, the more we play with that structure, the better we're going to be too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, uh, that said, um, you know, there, there's there's no harm in having another good marking forward, like overhead marking forward. Um, we saw what value having McGovern in our team was when he was actually playing well. Uh, having that that bloke that can that can come in and and take a grab is uh, you know and not be the focal point is a good thing. We've all been hoping that Shane McAdam will be that, and you know it's well documented over the last month that uh, we've all I think been a little bit disappointed with Shane's output, not only offensively but also defensively as well. So I think the uh, the jury's out on whether Shane's going to be the long term solution as that uh, X factor tool, I guess you'd say. Um, but we do have a couple in the wings. Lucky Gallant showed some good nick uh, when he debuted in the SNFL last week. So, you know, I guess uh, what I'm saying is that it looks like right now um, what Matthew Nix is building is a team that is primarily focused on winning the ball, um, which, you know, I think is step one. Um the next step, I think, is to build some some finesse and some composure under pressure to be able to retain possession. We saw how well a team like Geelong can retain possession under pressure, um, and how valuable that is to be able to retain pressure. Uh, sorry, retain possession under pressure. Um, we've tended to turn it over in those situations, um, and that's probably the next step. I mean, Geelong are probably the best in the competition at doing that, and they'll do mm. that in under two circumstances. One is where they're, they're looking, rather than bombing the ball and, and losing the ball and having, getting, turning it over, they'll, they'll wait and they'll keep passing and they'll keep waiting, just looking for that weakness. Or it can also be very handy uh, when you're getting towards the end of a game and you're only a few points up, and if you've been practising possession like as they do all the time well mm. there's not a, not very likely they're going to turn it over 
So, Agreed. yeah, you're quite right. That's something we have to become good at. Yeah. And what backs me up on there is that we're ranked 18th for uncontested possession. And it's been a consistent... We're ranked 18 by a long way. We have 50 less uh, uncontested possessions per game on average than Geelong, who are ranked number one. Um, you know, not every top team plays that style. But if you look at the rankings for uncontested possessions, it's uh, in order. Cats, Bulldogs, Hawks, who have always played that way. Port, Essendon, um, you know. So you've got some teams up there that are actually... Uh, and it's probably where the Tigers are falling down at the moment because uh, they're probably not getting enough of the ball to do enough damage. But that's the area... That's that's the statistic to me that really shows how we're playing at the ball. We're fierce at the contest. We're always going to give 100%. We lack finesse on the outside and we lack the ability to maintain possession. Some of that is structural and some of it is um, youth and inexperience. Um, but uh, I would say that on top of Nixie's list is to push that statistic up. Oh, obviously so. And I thought PJ's comment there with co- that confidence brings uh, uncontested ball use, and there's no doubt about that. And um, at this stage, our players are in the stage where the coach is saying, you know, see ball, get ball, yep. and then try, to, try and then try and do something with it. Yep. And once you become very good at that, then that's when you can afford to expand slightly into the other area. And and also, uh, the players will, will tend to gradually do that themselves as they have a lot more belief in themselves and also in their teammates. And uh, I would say, that, you know, these players now have played quite... Well, it's only, still only about 10, 12 games, and some, and some have played all those games together. And they would be starting to really believe in each other in terms of and have a very good idea how the other uh, players play as well. Yep. So um, I think we, we have got the nucleus of a good side there. It's just adding players around them now and uh, some of them will come from below and some of them will come from outside. Yeah, uh, and you know, at this stage obviously we've got a, um, a strategy I would imagine of going to the draft Um but let's not rule out bringing players in. I think there'll be a couple of trades this year. I think uh, the two tools that you mentioned, I think, might be on thin ice. Uh, at least one of them, I think, Himmelberg, pardon me, will certainly um, be looked at to uh, to be moved on. Yeah, um, I think frampton has got another year in his contract, hasn't he? Yeah, and probably he's the uh, backup rock, rock option, along with Kieran Strawn, I think. Um you know, uh, the Crows have shown now that they're happy to have Riley come in and, and chop out um, Riley O'Brien in the ruck. So we've got the two Rileys there. Um, Riley Tillthorpe has shown that he's more than a competent ruckman. He tends to break even when he chops out for O'Brien. So uh, the Crows are happy with that, I'd imagine. Um, and it takes Himmelberg and Frampton out of the frame, uh, barring injury, of course. I think the Crows will... Um, um, decide to stick with one of them and Frampton obviously is the one in contract uh, Himmelberg has been a major disappointment apart from a bright period of time in the second half of last year he just hasn't shown the ability um, to match his potential in my opinion um, but there will be a team that wants him I would imagine uh, those sort of players don't grow on trees and he might thrive in a uh, in a, in a different environment uh, but I think he's the one that might be uh, might be number one on the on the trade table. 
We wouldn't get much for him, though, Fane. Uh, we'd have to be prepared to take whatever we get to, uh, sort of thing. I think you'd get a third rounder for him, Matt. Well, I think if you got a third round, you'd grab it because... Um, well, he's still a, he's a, still a big, tall player who can take a mark sometimes and ruck. You know, and there'd be a team that would bank on being able to turn that around. Um, and so I reckon you'd get a late third rounder for him. Well, uh, as usual, the chat's right on it. <laughs> Eddie Himmelberg did sign up for another couple of years, didn't he? Oh, did he? Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're stuck with them for both right. of them. Well, it's, I mean, we're almost, when you when you consider we've also got Fisher Mackesy, uh as a as a tall uh, player who, you know, yes, we drafted him as a defender, but he can also play up forward. All of a sudden, we're, uh, like, where would you possibly um, fit either of Himmelberg and Frampton into our current, current forward setup? You just wouldn't. Um, and even if Tex uh, drops out, and there's been talk about the club offering Tex another year, uh, you know, even if Tex drops out, I wouldn't have either of Frampton or, or Himmelberg take Tex's spot. No, oh, I 100% agree with you there, Fiend. Um, um, if we said to, uh, well, say uh, Himmelberg, and we said to him, uh, we've signed you up, but uh, look, to be honest, you're not going to get many games. Well, yeah. Would you like to be traded to a team that might want you? He may well be in that anyhow. I would, you know, if I was at a footy club and I was told that, I'd be very happy to go to another club that wanted me and said they'll play me. Oh, absolutely. And there's every chance that will happen. Just the uh, the fact that he's contracted it just makes it a little bit diff- more difficult. Um, <clears throat> well, it makes it, and it also gives you the advantage that he can't walk for nothing. Well, that's true, but I mean that that's that's all well and good if he's actually a player in demand. Uh, I don't think it'd be terribly much in demand. Um, you know, there'll be probably a team that looks at him, um, but you know they won't be prepared to spend a hell of a lot of money because he's only played a handful of games in five years in the system. Yeah, well, hopefully Gold Coast might, because um, at the moment the the Gold Coast. Uh, that bit uh, lean in the ruck area at the moment. Look, possibly well, it's possible. They do have wit, but he's in, he's injured. Um, yeah. He might be right next year. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think he, we're going to get much for him if we do get rid of him anyhow. No, no, I agree. Uh, don't forget those of you in the live audio, uh, live audience, I should say. Uh, if you do want to have an opinion or share an opinion, I should say. Uh, on our current topic, uh, please put your virtual hand up and I'll be happy to have you on board uh, for a chat. Uh, this week is certainly the week to do it. Um, Macat, I thought we might just have a look at some individuals um, and just see how we're tracking from that perspective um, and, and probably then segue into uh, what you were referring to earlier with regards to where, where the gaps are in the squad um, and yep. just looking at... We'll just go top down, I think. Uh, well, I'll just line that up a little bit. Just bear with me a moment. Um, I've got Rory Laird on the screen anyway, mate. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been a bit of a revelation, I must say, up forward. Uh, sorry, in the midfield. He's been outstanding, actually. Uh, Rory Leader gets 100% every week. 
you know, and uh, he ends up with good numbers with the ball because he just keeps trying and trying and running. He must have very good stamina as well. Um, he's been very brave. He goes with where angels uh, fear to tread. He's obviously seen get tackled and thrown to the ground and everybody on top of him, but uh, he'll end up he'll end up out in the open there and get a pass and. He he can do it in uh, inside and outside. Now I love him as a player. He's good. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at some of his uh, stats. He's averaged thirty-one point three uh, disposals, um, including fourteen point one kicks and seventeen point two handballs. Uh, Five point eight tackles uh, for the season. Um, you know, uh, let's have a look. Um, let's have a look at some meaningful stats there. Uh, inside 50s, uh, averaging 4.2. His disposal efficiency is okay at 69. Um, rebound 50s, 1.8. Uh, kicking efficiency is probably a bit low. Mac, 51.9% kicking efficiency. Um, overall, his effective disposals are okay. 21.6 effective disposals a game. Um but it's it's his inside work where he shines. Fifteen point two contested possessions per game um, around stoppage. He's averaging three centre clearances and, and three point nine stoppage clearances per game. So and that's where he's been most valuable to us this year, in my opinion. He's very durable because I mean he goes in with range of fear to tread and he doesn't miss games either. I mean he must take some crook old locks during a game. Yep. Yep, he was averaging 5.8 tackles a game, um, you know, 20.8 uh, pressure acts. Uh, score involvements, which is a stat that I love, is 6.4, so he does get invo- involved in uh, in score involvements. Uh, I'm trying to look at a time on ground average. Here we are, 78.1% time on ground, so he spends a lot of time on the, on the, on the park. As you can see from his possession heat map there, he's not shy to play behind the ball. He gets a lot of his ball in the back half, Macca. Um, and uh, it's been a it's been a great season for him so far. Well, uh, I did hear him on the radio, and uh, he was talking about his transition from a halfback on the ball. And he said, you know, that uh, he really loves it on the ball. And he said, we should found this that this uh, on the ball thing he had a lot earlier. <laughs> well, he used to play on the ball at Westies when uh, my lad was there, uh, and he did it right. So. Uh, no surprise, he's doing all right. It was always going to be his size that was the query, but that hasn't been a problem at all. So um, um, good on him for that. And uh, it certainly assisted our transition, Macca, because without Matt Crouch, um, we really needed Rory uh, Laird to, to step up, and he's certainly done so, hasn't he? So um, good on him. True. All right, uh, let's just go and have a look at Benny Keys. Um, Benny Keys has been a revelation. Continues to be a revelation. Uh, Macca, twenty eight point six disposals. Um, Absolutely, the type of player you love to get for nothing. Yep, six point two tackles, three point eight marks. Uh, just is a bit of a ball, and yes, he's got his limitations. Yes, you know, at times his. Uh, his disposal isn't 100% right and, uh, you know, you'd like him to be able to, you know, be a little bit more polished. But if you want a bloke who shows 100% commitment every day of the week, then uh, he's your man. I 100% agree with you because, uh, you know, he and, he and Lady, uh, they're two of a kind. Um, Led uh, probably 
No, they play very similar types of game. They're both very brave. They they work hard. They keep going. Um, and Keyes uh, could do a little bit, a little bit more polish on his kicking. But as you pointed out, Les wasn't that good either. So uh, uh, both those two boys, uh, they they are the two best players in the club at the moment. Yeah, let's just run through some of the stats because um, it is quite impressive. Uh, averaging twenty point twenty eight point six disposals. 5.7 inside 50s uh, is disposal, as we mentioned, down 64.5%. Uh, rebound 50s, 1.6. Um, his kicking efficiency, you'd love to see him get that up into the 60s, at least currently 49.3. Um, metres game, 437. Contested ball, though, that's uh, 10.9. Uncontested, 15.8. Um, ground ball gets 7.9. Uh, that's where his value is. His stoppage work there... Um, Centre clearances averaging 2.7, stoppage 3. Um, uh, where else am I looking here? Tackles, 6.2 tackles a game, 24.1 pressure acts per game. Um, you know, that's where his value is. And again, you know, we're talking about uh, Benny Keys. We've just talked about Rory Laird. Both have a high possession rate in the back half. And what's been one of our... Um, What's been one of our Achilles heels with our midfield over the past few years, Macca? Exactly. They, they never went there. They never but went they back, be... did they? Never went back. What's that, what's that mob back down there called? That's the, we call that the back line. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, the, uh, that's the, 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 the bottom feeders. But no, so uh, both Laird and Keys have only had one possession in the forward 50 for the entire season. How's that? That is outstanding. <laughs> one one possession each, um, so it's quite quite amazing. So you know, that that just shows a, a, a willingness to work, doesn't it? It does absolutely. They 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 prepared to do all the hard things, and they do, both are. They, yeah. that's what I say. They build in the same mould. Yep, agreed. Um, now uh, let's uh, let's have a look at seed. Um. I've probably been a bit harsh on seeds. Mate. He's had a great year for me. He's had a great yeah. year. I just, I still think he's a he's a bit of a good seed, bad seed. But let's have a look anyway. Averaging twenty six disposals, sixteen kicks, ten handballs, as you'd expect. Five point five marks is one to get the ball on the outside for us. Two point six tackles, not really his go. Um, you know, uh, I guess. Um, you know, inside 50s, 5.8, he's uh, is, is the connector for us. His disposal efficiency is pretty good when you look at uh, uh, the competition. He's 73.1% disposal efficiency. Uh, rebound 50s, 3.2. Um, his kicking efficiency is 66.3, which is good. Um, doesn't do a heck of a lot of clearance work, um, but it's his score involvements, uh, 6.3. His score launches, uh, 11 score launches, Um that's where his value to the team is. It's he's really turned into the connector for us this year. In the absence of Tommy Lynch, um, he's the bloke that we try to get the ball in uh, to when we're looking to transition to our forward fifty. And for all of that, well, Macca, that... and for all of that, he's still not the answer. <laughs> uh, you, you're very down on him. Um... And uh, I think he had a great year, actually. Um, 
And I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Maka, sorry, that there's something wrong with this position heat map because it's showing C's only had one. It hasn't, it hasn't updated with the uh, with the rest of the stats. So let's just ignore that position heat map because uh, yeah. that's not right. Well, the way we play our game at the moment, and with C, and you say we do like to put the ball into C's hand because he. He has got very good uh, efficiency with his uh, disposal by foot, and he's also got a fantastic length with his kicking as well when when required. Um, and to me, that puts Lee Tommy Lynch out on, uh, on a limb and nowhere to go because I like our forward line structure and uh, using uh, Seisman as a connector because uh, Seiz can play half back and has played half back, so he. I think he's uh, ideal in that in that particular role, and and as I said, I I like him a lot better than you do, and uh, I think that he's a very important uh, part of our structure. And when he goes well, we tend to go well. Well, he's showing some elite stats. You know, five point eight inside fifties is uh, class as elite. Um, you know, ten point six effective kicks per game is a, is elite. Six hundred and thirty six point five, I think uh, meters gain is I think contest leading, uh, competition leading. Um, so there's a lot of value there, Maka. I just, I just want him to be able to. Uh, I, I just feel like at times he's a bit tunnel visioned, and I think he's a bit of a one-trick pony. And I would love for him to add the ability to lower his eyes at times and hit up a thirty-meter pass. Not not every kick from Paul Seisman needs to be a fifty-meter kick down the line. I'd like him to be able to drop the eyes and hit up some options because we've we've shown that whenever we get those shallow forward 50 entries, it comes straight back out. For all the metres that Paul uh, gains, um, I would love to go into a deep dive analysis about how much in the negative territory we get from rebounds off his kicks. Also, you've got to take into account all the positive things that happen from his kicks as well, and then balance it up. Yeah, absolutely, and don't disagree with that for, at all. And look, I'm glad that we've got Seed in the team, um, uh, but I, I guess, I guess what I'm referring to when I when I say he's not the answer, he's not the outside class answer. Does that make sense? Well, he said he's not the perfect answer. I agree with that um, because uh, he he does do the things that you said he does. But he also does all the good things that the stats say he does as well. So um, he's we're better in the team with him in than with it than uh, if he wasn't in the team. So we're, we're better we're, we're better with him in the team when he's in form. We all know what Seisman is like when he's not switched on, and he had a let's not forget he had a filthy first quarter against St Kilda, a filthy first quarter, and that was bad Seisman. Mm. He got he got the ball, but he just he just tanked it. He just turned it over and turned it over and turned it over, and that's well. well I did tell you the story about why he never why he never played for Collingwood again. That was for one yeah, of those yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, so it is. So it is in him. I'm not denying that, but fortunately, we haven't had a lot of it for that way. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, look, we've got 1990 Crow in the chat uh, putting his hand up, so I'd love to get 1990 on board. So let's, it's always uh, worth a listen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some would say more than us, Macca, so let's invite him in a chat. <laughs> and uh, g'day, mate. How are you going? 
Good, thanks. How are you going? How are you going, Pretty Matthew? good. Uh, good to see you on, uh, mate. When are you going to tell us? I just thought it was an interesting discussion going through individuals um, and I guess sort of mapping out what the club might be looking to do for the rest of the season, um, but also looking into the future. Um, I'm just... A couple of interesting things I've read this week. Um, you look at, I think, the th- one of the things you haven't gone through is sort of looked at the games played um, of our squad. Um, obviously, a lot of our squad's quite young, and that's just the, where this currently is. But you look at the yeah. games played between 50 and 150 games, and I think, I think I've, I've read there's only like three or four players in that range, and the rest of them are, are Rory Sloan and Taylor Walker. So... There's quite a long. What, what I'm, I think I'm trying to say is that there's quite a long road to go, um, in order to get the games into our our list that we've currently got. And I just think, as a as a fan base, we have to be patient, um, knowing that it's going to take two or three seasons to get the games that we need in, into these guys. Um, and I guess on 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 the back of that is is that you have to be really positive with what we've seen from the group, um, given that limitation. Um, and 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 the fact that they are so so low on games played, and yet their output is is well beyond the, their years. I think that's a very that's a very good point you've raised there, actually, because um, I know at one stage I can't, I don't know what the exact figures are now, but I remember in one game we had uh, it was twelve players with less than twenty games uh, under their belt in in one particular team. Um, so and that, that's the point you're making. Yeah, just just I think at the start of the year we had um, a lot of our best twenty-two had played, you know, two, five, ten, ten games. I think it was like eight to ten players, and it's like I think we remember you guys were talking at the start of the season where we saw those SANFL performances against Port Adelaide, thinking it was going to be a really, really, really long year, um, um, just the way that they were playing, and also looking at at the list um, in games played, thinking. You know, if we win four or five games, that's going to be a great outcome. Now we're halfway through the season, and they've won five games already. <clears throat> Nineteen ninety. Would you agree with me that uh, the way they played in those two preseason games against Port uh, was a very different style of game to what we're playing at the moment? I think that those Port trial games actually exposed our strengths and weaknesses, and I think as a consequence, that's one of the things that's led to us focusing very much on ground ball slash contested ball type work because I think we're actually quite vulnerable and I think the games this year have shown that we're quite vulnerable to teams that can get it on the outside. I, I definitely agree. I think it's two parts. It's, yes, we learnt a heck of a lot from it and Nick's would have rebranded or re, re, readjusted his game yeah. plan to suit based on the results that he saw, which I think he is doing continually as the season goes on. Yep. I think you'll see certain aspects of our game that we were seeing in the first four or five weeks that have completely changed to the one the team that we saw run out against St Kilda. Agreed. Uh, but also but also I think we were foxing a little bit in those games. I think we were probably just sort of trialing things and um, playing players out of position and sort of just seeing what certain things we we think Maybe. might work as, Maybe. as opposed to going hundred percent. Um Anyway, it's hard to know without being on the inside, of course, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, what, as an overall, for, for my opinion, for the season is 
we have to be incredibly happy with what we've seen. Agreed. What would you like us to get to chase in the draft? Say it again. Sorry, Mac, I didn't quite go that. What, what would you like us to chase in the draft, 90-90? Oh, mid, mids, mids and mids. Uh, I think um, particularly with our first pick, that has to be a midfielder. Um, hopefully with a bit of class. I think Matty Roberts stands out as someone that we need. Um, I, I've made the comparison with having watched him to Simon Goodwin. A bit of raking left foot, a bit of polish. And can go inside and out. I, I think he's exactly what we need. Unfortunately, Jason Horn's not going to be available to us. Um, but he, he might he's... not be either. No. So anyway, that that is what there is. is. Another one. We're going to. There is another one. Ninety yeah. ninety. Uh, uh, Peter uh, Peter J hopped in the chat earlier and just popped up some Marlo Draper stats from the weekend. He went back to the 18s because of uh, the buy in the sample and uh, just had a, had a had another lazy 30 plus games with I think seven or eight inside 50s or something and he's sneaking up the charts Arlo Draper sneaking he's up a the good charts. player yep. he's a good player I'll, I'll be an interesting one to see where he goes because I think it's quite a heavy midfielder first round um, draft this year and he could go anywhere between 7 and 20 I think um, I agree so there's a bit to play out in terms of where, where our picks land with well, the chance- draft night the champs, the champs are going to give us a very good indication of where blokes like Arlo sit. Um, obviously, with Matty Roberts, probably you know not playing because of his syndesmosis um, injury, uh, that gives lads like Arlo a bit of a crack in the midfield. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see how he goes because if he has a good, if he has a good uh, champs, I wouldn't mind betting that he goes uh, high teens, maybe ten. You could be right. Um, I just think realistically we're going to have a pick above that and I think Roberts will be in our swinging range whereas Draper might be just below. Um, but we'll, well, I guess we'll wait and see. We might end up with a pick, another pick in the first round and um, prioritise getting him. But I think mm. after that we look at that. Um, you, you've, you've done a, a draft analysis on Ferrers. Yeah. I think he's someone to, to look at in the second round. Um, I think that third tool is definitely something we need to look at with Sam McAdams' form. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other aspect is what do we do with Matt Crouch? Because you look at Keys and Laird on the inside, Matt Crouch is probably not the one we want to be throwing in there as the third mid to complement those two. But in, you look in the SNFL, we've already got Luke Pedler there developing as, yeah. as another inside mid. So I think Matt Crouch, unfortunately, sort of sits it. With his with his injury and not having played this year as the third banana, and he might look to go elsewhere. Yeah, well, um, it, was, it was a question. Um, sorry, Matt. It was a question that I was going to ask uh, Mac a bit later, but we might just ask it now. Have we been fortunate? Um, and I, you know, no one wants an injury, but have we been fortunate with Matt Crouch's uh, lack of availability in terms of being able to develop um, young Sam Berry? I'll have first crack at that, and I reckon we have been very lucky there because, uh, you know, if Crouch had been available, he would have been playing, and that would have, you know, somebody like Berry wouldn't have got that opportunity. Yeah. So from... And I also think that, you know, I I hope Crouch is available before the end of the season, and I would like us then to play him every game until the end of the season so that we can trade him and get some value for him because I think that in the long term... 
uh, the point you were making there, Fiend, about the type of player we've got in the midfield and the type of player we've got rising in the, in the midfield, um, they're all of the same sort of mould. They're inside we need, yeah. yeah, And we really, really need uh, outside mids with great pace. That's what we need. Yeah. I think I think if Matt left, like in all likelihood, he would end up with a band three compensation, um, which has been our second rounder. It would be um, lucky with yes. a band three, you know. So, so, you know, whether we play him or we don't play him, it's not going to have a, a huge impact, I don't think. But um, from what do we do with with what we get for him? I think that's going to be the key thing because we're going to have three second rounders. With uh, if that happened, um, with Melbourne second rounder, we also have, um, and the guy that I'd be looking at after having watched him the last month is um, Hugh Jackson, out at North Adelaide. This one on the weekend he had. 32 touches and three goals, and he's quite classy and um, got good pace, and I think he's someone to watch. Very good, mate. As always, uh, appreciate you coming on, and your insights are always uh, uh, good talking points. So uh, thanks again, and thanks for your ongoing support, and uh, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, guys. Well well done, 1990. Uh, If anyone else wants to try and top that, um, probably unlikely. Because uh, 1990 always has some smart things to say. Uh, stick your hand up, and uh, we'd be happy to get you on. To, uh, this week is certainly the week to be doing that. Um, all right, let's just move on with some of these players, Mac. Uh, I don't want to drag this on too long, but there's a couple of players that I want to uh, highlight, if possible. Young Harry Schomburg. Um, you know, it was no secret that I was going to bring him up because uh, the kid's just a bloody legend in the making, in my opinion. Uh, let's see how he's gone. I think you're his illegitimate father, Fiend. Well, I'm quite legitimate about it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you love the Gitler, lad. He, well, he's terrific. I'll tell you what, uh, there's a couple of stats that have surprised, surprised me. His disposals are a bit higher than I thought. 16.6 average, uh, 2.7 tackles per game. Um, you know, he kicks more than he handles, which is good. Uh, it's averaging 2.3 clearances. Hadn't had a huge amount of time around a stoppage um you know so but he's got a couple of uh, a couple of above average uh, stats there but not a lot in the red zone his disposal efficiency is probably a little bit down um and that's tailed off a bit i think actually as he's become a little bit more adventurous and gotten involved in the contest a little bit more um so you know averaging um around about 6.2 effective kicks Per game at a kick efficiency of just under 66%. Um, you know, it's not a marking play, but his clearances is edging up towards one centre clearance per game and one and a half stoppage clearances per game. Um, 2.7 tackles, which is good. Uh, 16.4 pressure acts. Um, he is someone, Macca, that maybe, maybe might end up being this part of the silk that we're looking for on the outside. I think he might be too, because sometimes he just glides past, doesn't he? Um, yep. Uh, was that last game or the one before with him in the last quarter when he knocked up about 12 possessions in the last uh, quarter? When that was against St. So against St Kilda. Had, had his probably his biggest quarter of his career to date in that game. It, well, he, he really looked like a jet in that last quarter, didn't he? And, uh, I mean, 
they've been thrashing at each other for three quarters and it's really the game's on the line and there he comes out. He, I thought he was fantastic in that last quarter. Yep. I think, uh, and I won't fanboy too much, but I think that he is actually the the first midfielder that we've had for a long time that has shown genuine footy IQ. Not just being able to accumulate uh possessions and and play the safe sideways chip or the bomb into the into the into the forward line he shows genuine iq in close he's he's unflappable he gets his arms free he doesn't panic and he puts players into better positions he he disposes to advantage um, and all he needs is a yard of pace and a bigger tank and uh he could just be part of that out, outside solution. I, he's not getting a huge amount of uh, centre clearance work at the moment and it tends to do with stoppage clearance work um, mostly in the forward line. CPJ Crows, thanks for stopping by, mate. Um, but I think as he progresses, um, we're going to see some more of his work on the outside. Yeah, uh, I think you did right because... Uh... Oh, he's the type of player that he's still got a bit of puppy fat on him. Oh, we look, he appears to have a little bit a little of puppy bit. fat on him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, look, you know, if I was a coach, I'd, I'd be looking at him and saying, I think this guy can become somebody special. And I'd, I'd be really having him working his ass off over summer, just getting rid of some of that puppy fat. Um, and because uh, I just think he... He seems to have, and also endurance, but he seems to have really reasonably good endurance, but I just think he could be a very, very good player uh, with A, experience, and B, a little bit of puppy fat off him, and C, just a little bit more stamina, and so yeah. that he can have a lot of time on the ball. Yeah. And what I saw what I saw against St Kilda too was a, a bit of aggression. He was playing quite angry, um, and noticeably he was playing quite angry when we were playing badly. I think it was annoying him. Um and uh, so I think he sets a standard for himself, um, and uh, he's got a bit of got a bit of mongrel about him, Mac. And uh, I won't rave on anymore. But uh, watch this space for young Harry. Uh, who else should we have a look at? Mm, let's have a look at Ned McHenry, another young lad, who we probably weren't as confident about at the beginning of the year, were we, Mac? But. Uh, He's going okay, only 11, averaging the 12 disposals per game. Um, 3.3 tackles, as you'd expect. He's a bit of a bit of a, a tackler. Um, not a lot of green there in his um, ratings. Um, but his energy around the contest is, uh, is team lifting. And he's just starting to get more of... Uh, more of the agate. You can see there is his pressure acts averaging just under 20 per game, tackles 3.3 per game. Just needs to get more of the ball, Mac, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, uh, last year I wouldn't give you, would not have given a mouldy peach for him. But, you no. know, um, but this year, I must admit, I'm starting to like the guy. Um, to me, uh, he is, he gives 100% and uh, I think his presence now is bigger than his size and it's also bigger than his stats because his energy is fantastic and I reckon he, he transfers energy into the side. I, I really like the way he's going at the moment and I think that uh, he will develop into a very, very handy player for us. He's not going to be like the saviour or anything like that, but he's uh, a player that he's prepared to risk his life and limb to get the ball uh, instead of, and he's stopped that silly business about 
just being out there to irritate the opponent. Um, but uh, no, I, I like him now. I really like him. I just like when he, what he does by comparison, say, uh, to uh, the other one, to the other Macca down in the forward line. He just sometimes just doesn't even try. Cannon. To me, McCannum. Um, I, I, I think he's. He need, as it's been said in the chat, he needs a bit of polish, yep. But the guy tries so hard, he puts his energy into it, and, and he's got good endurance as well. He just keeps going and going. No, I like him. Okay, so a couple of things just to temper that. I think he needs to get more of the ball if he's going to continue to play sort of that wing high half forward role. I think he needs to get his possessions up over the 16 or 17. Um, but I'll put this to you, Macca. We've got uh, James Rowe, who actually uh, seems to be better when he's up the ground. He does. And Tariq Newchurch, who uh, is a long way away, although he shows flashes. Is Ned McHenry a small forward option? As in a deep small forward option? You mean in, in, in the pocket? A deep small forward, yes. No, no, I see him on on that half forward flank, and because um, uh, he he's, often goes right down the half back as well, because he works hard. So he does work hard, and well, I, I, I can see him. I can see him yo-yoing with Jimmy Rowe, because Rowe well, doesn't. Rowe is good when he comes up as well, and he's very creative, James Rowe, with ball in hand. And I just wonder whether they can. Sort of, yeah, I just wonder whether they can. Uh, they can do a little bit of uh, rubber banding in that pos- in those two positions. Well, as Tomo says on the chat, you can you can give it a crack because we're re- rebuilding. Why not? And quite rightly because um, uh, both of them seem to go well at that, that high half forward. But and we and we know that Ray can snag, uh, snag a goal or two up forward. Yeah, it'd be interesting putting uh, McHenry up there around there with the, the drop of the ball right near goals. I no, I think he probably could play it. He probably could. Well, I'm thinking also from a defensive pressure point of view. It's something that we have lacked this season, Macca, is uh, forward 50 tackles. And uh, we'd get a fair bit of that from Ned if he was playing a bit deeper. So uh, where does it leave Lockie Murphy, do you think, with James Rowe and uh, Ned McHenry sort of cementing their places? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because (laughs) somebody says they have the team. Mm. Um, And that might be what it is. Uh, You've got... uh, We've obviously got three small t- small player spots, and uh, when he comes back, there's four means there's four people vying for it. And I think he's the only way Murphy's going to get back into it is one of them has a poor game, you know, or sorry, a series of poor games. And then, uh, like for example, McAdam, um, the way that McAdam had played in the last previously for a couple, two or three games mm. in a row, mm. it would have been a perfect time, like you'd bring uh, Murphy in, yeah. and. Uh, uh, I, I think that he, at the moment, is not in the best 22 uh, when, those, when all those three are playing at their best. 1990 makes an excellent point in the chat. Murphy's stats are identical to when he started 50 games ago, which is exactly the same as Jared Petrenko was. You know, they have... And I think that's the problem with Lockie Murphy. His ceiling is very low. I think... That's a good Mur- point. Murphy is what you see is what you get. I still contend, and I will always contend, that, that he plays the wrong style of game for his body size. Uh, he goes up for too many marks. He doesn't position himself well for a crumb. Um, so he doesn't play like a genuine small, if that makes sense. 
Um, and I think, unfortunately, that actually works against him. Um, I like James Rowe and Nat McHenry with ball in hand far more than Lockie Murphy. And I think that both those players, particularly James Rowe, have a better instinct of where to put themselves at the feet of a contest. So um, who knows? I mean, Lockie Murphy is a very good story, um, and but I think he is one that might actually have some value on the trade table and the club might have to make a bit of a hard call with Lockie Murphy. Uh, well, it depends. You know, it depends whether the club is trying to get draft picks. And, uh, I mean, he's handy to have... Oh, another one. No, there's another <laughs> one that just... bloody just re-signed. What are they doing, that bloody... We are going to have very little to work sack, with. <laughs> sack, sack Reed, sack Reed. <laughs> uh, well, that surprises. Uh, yeah, I, I've got to say that surprises me. That surprised me. But anyway, <laughs> never mind. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, all right, let's have a look at Sam Berry, who I've been extremely impressed with, Mac. Sam Berry. Yeah. Um, again, low disposal count, but he had 16 touches against St Kilda last week, so he's just starting to get involved in the game a little bit more and has been played in a little bit of a graveyard slot there across half forward, um, you know, which can be a bit of a death by a thousand cuts kind of position. Uh, but when he's uh, around the contest, he gives you clean hands he gives you good disposal, generally by hand and, and improving by foot. Um, but he, he straight, straight lines the ball. And if you have a look at his defensive stats there, you know, he's above average in tackles, above average in tackles inside 50, uh, elite in pressure acts. Now, we're talking about a, a kid who's played less than 10 games of AFL football. Yeah, I know. Elite Amazing. in pressure acts, right? Um, you know, defensive half pressure acts, 94 they're the stats of a lad that is committed and um, doesn't take a backward step. His contested ball work is very good. 5.7 average contested possessions per match. Um, elite contested possession rate of 55.3. So a lot to work with with Sam. Uh, you know, he's played since round one. The only the only rest he's had is when he got um, an injury. Uh, he is a 250-game inside mid well, the the last uh, young lad I've ever seen play, put on a crow's jumper and going as hard as he does with the ball and as fearless as he does with the ball was uh, Rory Sloan when he made his debut. debut. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be have the uh, the class of Rory Sloan, but uh, he's certainly going to have the toughness of it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I agree with the general opinion that he's going to have a much, much higher ceiling than what he's uh, playing at now because of the position he's being played at now. Um, he's, he's, he's absolutely fearless. He's, a, he's tough. He has a real crack. He's yep. got clean hands. Yeah, he's got a lot going for him. He's going to be a very good player for us. Yep. And the fact that he can hit the scoreboard too is a bit of a bonus. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a, a central component of the Crows midfield for the next 10 years, to be honest with you. And when you consider, you know, you're talking about Berry and uh, Schoenberg, we've got Luke Beggar, uh, Luke Pedler coming up from the twos, who's another very workmanlike kind of a bloke uh, who'll get a lot of possessions. Um, we've got uh, Ben Keys, of course, who's still only young. Um, it's a bit of a workhorse. Um, our, our inside midfield rotations, I think, are sewn up. 
for the next 10 years, oh. I think. They, I think the club has recruited very well in that space. And uh, barring any unforeseen drop-off in form or mishaps, you would think that we'd, we're, we're good now for inside midfielders or, or ball players. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, Fane. And uh, it's just now we need that speed and outside skills, silky skills outside. Yes, exactly. And that's, you know, when we're talking about... Uh, what we need at the beginning and we'll cover that a little bit more again shortly uh that's exactly what we need um so uh let's have a let's have a talk about a couple of blokes that might just be uh on the borderline and uh we're talking about trade options uh young chase jones maker where do you sit i'll be happy to trade him if i've got at least a second rounder for him well, his, his stats aren't terrible. Um, of course, he's come back into the side and been playing predominantly off half-back. Um, you know, so he's got his average disposals up to 11.3, which isn't bad for a back pocket. Um, but there's not a lot of green in those numbers, and there's quite a lot well, of red in those numbers. Well, I might be being tough on him, but uh, I am very disappointed in this particular choice of a player that... We, in a draft that we could have got ourselves a real real A grader. Um, mm. uh, he has gone better in the back lines. Um, and in his very last game when he played against St Kilda, he just showed me, I, well, I doubt he's ever going to get to what we really want him to be. He, remember, he beat a player for the ball and he picked up the ball. The other player was on the ground. So he starts walking instead of running. Another player comes back and tackles him. And... Um, when, when, he, when Chase Jones should have been off and out in the clear, and I just don't think he... He doesn't seem to have the footy IQ. It just, just it uh, did seem to be a real lack of awareness, didn't it? Uh, lack of spatial awareness. I mean, he sidestepped that bloke nicely, got around him, uh, and he noticed that the bloke slipped and went to ground, but he thought that that mm. gave him another 20 minutes to kick the ball, and, and you know, he it showed a lack of confidence, in, in my opinion, because... If a kid with that amount of pace, once he gets around a bloke, he should have been off. He could have gained fifteen meters. He had no no one in front of him. You know, he could have. That's, could have... And that's what he should have done. That's exactly, exactly. what he should have done. He's, um, look, they'll probably keep him, and uh, and if he does, I hope he just keeps improving at a rapid rate because he's got a, still got a lot of improvement to do to be where he should be. I um, I I don't like to bag a kid, so I've, I'm pleased for him that he's worked his way back into the side, and I'm pleased for him that the club have given him the opportunity to find a position in an area that maybe he wasn't considered initially because he was certainly drafted as a midfielder, and he was definitely drafted as someone who could provide us with outside pace. Um. I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if um, if uh, yeah. No, I think he'll stay on the list. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he wasn't on the list. Yeah, I think he'll be there. But um, if they did trade him, it would, I would I wouldn't be crying. No. Duller on the chat says, "Really, Fiend, you don't like bagging a kid? I don't like. Don't mind." Don't like bagging a kid. Hang on. I'm, that's probably... Yeah, shut up. 
Thanks, Tala. Uh, a fair call, I guess. But I mean, look, I have empathy for for uh, Chase um, because I think he might have been slightly overrated in his draft year. I think he might have been thrown to the wolves a bit by Donny Pike and not developed terribly well. And I, I just think it's good that the club have provided him with an opportunity to try try to forge an AFL career. I'm not sold. I'd be delighted if he came good. I mean, um, I want him to come good. Yeah, I, I, I really would. Uh, I'm just not seeing it at the moment that it's there. Uh, although there was a little bit of improvement towards the end of the year. Um, let, let's hope that next year he comes out and he justifies why we picked him in the first place. But I'm not 100% confident that will be the case. Yeah, J and M says he was playing well against men at 17 before coming to the club. I don't think it's uh, no one's questioning Chase's ability to play against big bodies. Um, but let's not forget it was a bloody Tasmanian football league. It's not a high standard, um, and they might have been men, but he would have been running around them like they were witches' hats. Um, so I don't actually think, in retrospect, that was a terribly good indicator of his uh, his form, his ability. Um, you know, Darcy Fogarty was playing against men uh, when he was a kid as well, and it's taken him ages. Look, I hope I hope Chase makes it. I hope he makes that defensive position his own. Um, he certainly would be a um, uh, a handy replacement for Luke Brown when Luke Brown uh, decides to give it up um, in terms of being a small full, a small defender. And let's just uh, leave it at that. My, I shudder at that thought, but anyhow. Well, anyway. All right. Uh, an interesting one, uh, Mac. An interesting one. Will Hamill. Um, um, hang on, let me just uh, give you his main stats. 10.6 disposals, um, kicked handball ratio pretty much 50-50. Uh, a couple of tackles. Um, I loved Will when he came in. Uh, I'm Jury's out for me on Will Hamill. Well, I'm, me too. I was about to say uh, my advice to Hamill put that bloody headband back on, grow your hair long again, mate, and go back and play the type of football you were playing before where you got the ball and you just took off at 100 mile an hour. At the moment, he's just turned into a bit of a vanilla-type footballer. And uh, Whereas when he first started, he was a dashing footballer. And uh, I thought we was, he was going to be very, very special, and he still may be, but uh, he hasn't had a very, very good year now. I, he has had a bit of uh, injury this year, and he's had a concussion, which may have uh, slowed him down. Um, but I was, uh, yeah, somebody else says, I think the head knocks have made him regress. He definitely has regressed. There's no doubt about that. Um, so whether that is concussion, whether it's confidence or whatever, because you can't have lose belief in yourself. As I said, grow your hair long, put your headband on, and go back to where you started. Look, I still think he's he's uh, doing all right in terms of getting the ball. Uh, he needs to clean up below the knees a couple of times against St Kilda there. He let the ball get behind him, and that resulted in scores against. Um, I think what Will needs to find is a bit of composure with ball in hand. At the moment, he's actually reminding me a little bit of a young Martin Matner um, macker, where he gets the ball in hand and he runs, and that's all well and good, and then uh, he's got to do something with it, and that's when... Uh, uh, that's when things can go a little bit sideways for him. Um, so he needs someone to, uh, you know, to to get into him about his composure with ball in hand, and he needs to be 
very decisive about what he's going to do with the ball once he get, gets it. It's not just a matter at AFL level of getting the ball and burning everyone off because at AFL level that's not going to happen. No, but he's still very, very young in terms of uh, football experience and uh, at this level, and uh, he may come out next year and uh, revert back to the form that when he uh, first started playing, and uh, in fact, he might even go further, or he may not. But yeah. uh, I, I think... Look, I think long-term he'll be okay. Yeah, uh, 1990 says, remember how us letting Matt and go went for us. Well, it went well for Marty because he played in a premiership with Sydney. And I'm certainly not saying that um, that Will Hamill is a, a dud, um, but I think everyone would agree that Marty Matner, for whatever reason, um, didn't show what he ended up uh, producing at Sydney while he was at Adelaide. And uh, that comes back down to coaching and development. And I think that uh, the coaches uh, owe Will a bit of um, a bit of one-on-one time to get his head in the right spot for what he needs to do at AFL level. And he also needs to build up some upper body strength, mate. Yep, I agree. Because at the moment, when he gets tackled, it's not just that he's light. Some some players will get to, some light players will get tackled and it won't affect them. Unfortunately for Will, when he gets tackled, he's he's got no neck strength. He's got no upper body strength at all. So his head just wobbles around, um, and uh, I think that's why he's been prone to a couple of concussions. And uh, the last thing we want to see is that he'd have to leave the game early because he he keeps getting knocked out. Oh, a couple of those t- tackles were very, very savage. One in particular, jeez. Yeah, but he got he got tackled against St Kilda and rattled him. I think I, when you watch him get tackled, there he 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 goes. He's quite limp. There's no strength around the shoulder neck area, you know. And you know the first thing that uh, blokes in rugby do, they build up their neck strength to protect their head. So uh, I think Will needs to do a little bit of upper body work there. Yep. All right, uh, one or two more, Mac. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Who would you like to have a look at? Well, they've suggested Lockie Shoal, and I think that's a good one. All right, let's find Lockie Shoal. Um, so Lockie, in my opinion, has just tailed off a little bit, averaging 18.5 disposals, which is uh, pretty good. 12.2 kicks, 6.3 handballs, 4.3 marks he gets on the outside for us. And, uh, you know, again... Probably just tailed off um, in that area, which has resulted in us not being able to get as much uncontested uh, possession in the last three or four games, Mac. Uh, But he's an elite kick, and uh, with ball in hand, he's very effective. I thought he had an outstanding year until his last two games, and uh, I was very heavy uh, about... Uh, the last game he played, that he played so badly, I watched him very closely, that he, he had, had not only had to be dropped, but uh, should not be played the next week because he just looked buggered. And yep. uh, I was pl- absolutely delighted when the club actually did that and they didn't play him because um, he wasn't the same player as he had been earlier in the year when he was really up and running. Because he's a running machine and uh, he he... Was still running, but not with the same enthusiasm. And he wasn't getting there, and he wasn't going as hard. And the the, the guy just needed a rest. He's young, and uh, he. Uh, but I think he's an enormous talent. He's got uh, a lot of talent, and he can cover a lot of ground. He's got excellent disposal. Uh, so, yeah, he he's one of our best. And 
when he's 100% fit and ready, uh, he'll be good. Yep, uh, I agree with all of that, Macca. He did look extremely tired. I think we, we commented on it after, I can't remember which game it was, but it was about three or four weeks ago that he was starting to look like he was running up and down on the spot. Uh, he didn't have the same appetite for the contest, which suggests to me he was playing a bit sore because he's certainly uh, he's not like Rory Atkins. Uh, he, Lockie Shaw is quite happy to go for the ball when it's, when it's his turn to go, but... Uh, his body size means that I reckon he carries a few hits and I think that yeah. was starting to show. Um, but uh, at his best, he's, he's shown us what he can do, uh, Rising Star nomination and all that. So uh, I'm with you. I'm glad they gave him a rest. I wouldn't mind if they gave him a rest for a couple more, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, just ease him back into it and uh, get him into another one that needs to get into the gym a bit in the off-season. Absolutely. And Jordan Butts is worthy of a mention too, I think. Geordie Butts, well, the stats aren't going to be great on Geordie because uh, he's a bloody defender, but I, I've been so happy to see his progression this year. He has stepped into that role. Um, you know, it could have been a disaster without um, Daniel Talia Macca, um, but Geordie stepped in with 10.7 average disposals, 3.3 marks, 1.5 tackles. But it's his defensive work, um, you know... Uh, 5.2 pressure acts is low, but 6.2 spoils, uh, 4.9 contested defensive one, one-on-ones. He is... Uh, a contested defensive loss percentage is only 29%. Do you know what that means? Yeah, it means he's won the 70% of the time. He only, he only loses 29, 30% of the contest, which for a young lad in a team that sometimes has leaked a fair amount of forward 50 entries... Uh, that's outstanding in my opinion and uh, we've got a career defender on our hands with Geordie Brutz and um, I'm so pleased to have seen A, that he got a chance and B, that he's made the most of it Is he he still growing or something? At the moment I think he looks taller than he did at the start of the year, or was that just because he's going so good? Well he's listed at 198 centimetres, Macca Well that's what he looks like, yeah 198 centimetres, that's not short. That's very tall for a defender. Uh, it you is. Know, a couple of years gone by, that's a ruckman. So, um, you know, 198, 97 kegs, um, you know, and he's only, was he, 23, 22, something like that. I mean, it, very, very good story, Jordan Butts. Um, extremely good. Yep, and probably... Finish on Riley O'Brien, perhaps. Not really. I'm not even going to bother just... with O'Brien's stats. I don't know, what, what, what do you think of his year? Oh, look. Been all right. I think... I haven't been overly impressed, to be honest with you, um, Macca. The big thing about Riley last year in his... Um, his... Um, his great season last year was his ability around the ground, and we just haven't seen much of it this year, in my opinion. Well, he's been found out this year, and I keep repeating it, is that when he's up against a long-arm ruckman, because he, he, he doesn't jump very high, um, uh, he's better against, you know, the one's body-to-body. Um, I don't think his ruck work's been anywhere near to the standard of what it was last year. Um, he hasn't had a great year around the ground either, but although I thought last week, against, the last match against the Saints, I thought they... He did take some very timely marks, so I was pleased to see that. And then let's hope that he is starting to build back a bit of, bit of form. But yeah. 
he's not quite the same player that he was last year. I know you you spend a, you put a lot of focus on his ruck work. To be honest with you, you know what? I can't I can care less about his ruck work. It's his work around the ground that is where his value is. If he can break even at ruck contests, I'm happy. Um, you know, uh, uh, but it's his work around ground and. You know, he's at 27.5 hitouts is above average. Um, center clearance is 1.8 is elite. Um, you know, his hitouts to advantage is only 7.6 out of those 27.5 hitouts, uh, Macca. So not a lot of value in them. Um, but uh, defensively, he's good, averaging nearly three tackles a game, 12 pressure acts, which is great for a big man. Um but it's the marking here. So Marks is only averaging 3.3 marks per game. Um, only 1.8 contested marks per game. Uh, and only 2.2 or 2.2 intercepts is okay. But it was his value in those key areas that was the difference for him. It, it set him apart last year. And I know that the reports are, and I think he came out and said that he's been carrying a bit of an injury, and that's fair enough. Oh, wow. Um, okay, but um, he needs to he needs to return to his twenty twenty form in terms of around the groundwork because we do need a bloke to be able to take a, a clunk. See, like in those games versus like versus St Kilda last week, and I know it was wet, but in those hard grindy games, we need a bloke that can take a clunk. I agree, and uh, yeah. Uh, look, I, I thought he did take a few last week uh, against uh, St Kilda, and let's hope that that's the start of uh, a good back half of the year. All right. I'm going to finish on uh, with two, Mac. First, we'll talk about Riley Thilthorpe. Um, you know, the stats won't show much, um, but I just want to highlight the fact that um, I, I feel over the last two weeks he's just starting to work his way into the competition and uh, I feel like being such a key component of the win against St Kilda will really make him feel a part of it if you know what I mean yeah um, <laughs> you know my opinion I, I'm on record of saying he's going to be the best player to walk into this club since Andrew McLeod um, yep. I, that's how good I think he will be yep. I, I just think he's uh, it's, that's not necessary next week or the week after, but he'll build each year until he's, until he's just going to be a sensation. Yeah, and I think it would be remiss of us not to uh, cover off this guy before we finish up. Tex Walker, okay, if you have a look on screen, the amount of green and blue stats there, um, you know, averaging 15 disposals, which is elite for a tall forward, Um his metres gained is 323, so he's getting up and down the ground. 9.1 contested possessions, 4.3 ground ball gets. Um, you know, he's getting clearances, he's kicking goals, he's winning ruck contests, he's taking marks, he's averaging nearly six marks a game, including nearly three inside 50 per game, and two and a half contested marks a game. Uh, just so good for the bloke. And, you know, we have not been his biggest fan over the last couple of years at all. Not his biggest fan. No, we, and I, and I, think, yeah. I think with good justification too, Macca, and I think if he was hand on heart, he would agree. But how good is it to see a bloke on the, on the wrong side of 30 who's been written off by everybody just reinvigorate himself, 
uh, under a new regime and with a new group of players and just look like a bloke who's 25, 26, ready to tear the competition apart. Well, both you and I wrote him off at the end of last year and, and rightly so on his form. Um, we can only judge him on what we see out on the oval. And uh, having said that, uh, he was obviously carrying a lot of injuries, And but when you go out there and play, you, you judge as if you're fit. Um, this year, his form has been so good, in fact, I can't even remember him having better form, uh, that if they were to pick the All-Australian team now, he would have to be the centre-half forward. That's how well I think he'd play. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about that. And if he continues, you know, he had he just had a little drop-off there after about, I think, round four, and they rested him appropriately, and that was good, and now he's having another rest, obviously, with the bye. Um you know, he's a smoky for the Coleman. Um, and this is a bloke that isn't just at the twilight of his career. This is a bloke that was roundly written off by all and sundry, including this podcast. Completely written off. Well, yep, yeah, exactly. But, you know, as I said, at the moment, he'd be the All-Australian centre forward. Yep. You know, so um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, the club give him another year. Um, and I think, uh, as someone pointed out in the chats, I think, you know, one-year contract's the right thing for, for Tex at this stage of his career. But, um, you know, the the um, the trio of Tex, Fogarty and Thilthorpe actually looks like it's got some promise um, with a couple of goal-kicking smalls around them and, uh, you know, a bit of output from our midfield. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, I'm happy with that at the moment. Uh, I think he's been fantastic, and he has a great football brain. Ball in hand, he has a oh, great football. He's a he's a natural footballer, Macca. He's a natural footballer. Always yep. has been. That, that's never been the issue. The issue has been his ability to get both arms over his head, to have confidence in that knee and that hip that he's got and the foot that he's got. You know, he's, it's, let's, let's make no mistake, he's been carrying stuff, uh, but we all thought that, the result, those injuries were going to get the better of him and be the end of his, uh, be you know, be the end of his career. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's at this stage, touch wood, he's been able to stave off those injuries and have a fantastic career, and well deserved. Uh, you know, he's been a great club man, like him or not. Uh, he's been a great club man and uh, been through some rough times, and he probably won't win a flag with his beloved Adelaide Crows, but it'll be great to see him off on a high with the team on the rise, knowing that he was a part of that regrowth. Absolutely. And he's such a, a well-liked person by the, amongst the football fraternity and particularly amongst our players. Yeah. That he, is a, he is a positive reinforcement to the rest of the team and, and to the younger players. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Well, Macca... I think final thoughts on that. Uh, there's probably a couple of players, I think, that are in, in the gun. We've talked about Matty Crouch. We've talked about uh, Lockie Murphy. I think Tommy Lynch is going to be an interesting case. He's obviously very entrenched in the club, uh, doing some coaching with the women as well. I don't see a spot for Tom uh, in the best 22 for Adelaide, but I think that the Crows um, love him. The players love him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets treated when he comes back in. Daniel Tully is another interesting one, Mac, and we've spoken about this a couple of times. 
about uh, where he fits when he comes back in. Obviously, Geordie Butts doesn't deserve to get dropped, um, but I think he'll hang around, but I don't see him playing too many more games in the ones, to be honest. Yeah, look, you feel horrible about these two players because they've been uh, players that have been so loyal to the club and been good to the club and yeah. uh, given great service. Um, I mean, Talia, uh, I don't know how many years he's played with it, what, 10 to 12 years he's played with it, something oh, yeah, like that? Yeah, and, yeah. And he's been so good for us for so long, but his spot's gone. And, yeah. <laughs> look, essentially you delist him, but I think they'll probably just... Keep him on for one more year. Yeah, I mean it's you know it, I feel for Daniel. Uh, he's given his heart and soul for this club. Um, and and Lynch, they might try and talk him into becoming a coach and uh, you know a development coach or something like that. But, mm. uh, and you know both of those boys, you know, would be great. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you feel very guilty about both of them, don't you? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I guess they've had their turn, haven't they? They've had the chance, and for whatever reason, uh, it didn't work out for them. So um, you can't uh, can't do anything about it. And uh, you know, if they hang around, then uh, all well and good. Look, uh, I think we might wrap it up, Maka. Uh, it's been a good chat, a good night. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord. Uh, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. I'm scrolling our supporters names on uh, on the screen at the moment and uh, if you would like to support us on Patreon, I only there's two tiers, $2 a month or $5 a month not very uh, expensive, you do get a little bit and I'm just trying to bolster that up as we go along, um, so get around that uh, and also make sure you give us a like and subscribe if you're a YouTube watcher and uh, join us on Discord so you can get around the chat uh, also go to YouTube there, there's a video on how to get in to our Discord server if you're not familiar. Uh, we'll have Nikki with us back next week, Macca. I know you've missed her. Hello. Nah, Nikki might uh, Macca might have gone. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's, I'll take the opportunity to uh, say goodnight to everybody. And uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Tuesday with the Tuesday Night Live. And in the meantime, um, yeah, I don't know where you've gone, Maka. In the meantime, uh, take it easy and we'll see you on Tuesday night.